this word that the Lord has been giving me. And I think it goes perfectly with the season that we've been in as a church. We, Travis, a weeks ago, was speaking about uh, forgiveness. I think he touched on healing a little bit. Paul, last week, brought a word about the importance of praying in the Spirit. And I just do, I do see these little things that the Lord's doing to uh, position us and prepare us for success, to be people, kingdom people. And uh, little things like wounds get in the way sometimes, right? Little things like offenses and, you know, being bitter, whatever. Those things get in the way. Uh, prayerlessness. Anybody ever sense that, that slow fade of not praying nearly as much? That was... Paul was sitting on that. Just a show of hands, who put into practice what Paul shared about this past week by being intentional about setting a time, some time to pray in the Spirit? If you have that. Show of hands, who's experienced a difference? Not so much the world, maybe not the world around you changed, but every, the world in you changed. Your perspective changed. That is. I just have a quick testimony uh, about that. I think it was Tuesday. I was still kind of, every time I was in the car, I just kind of praying in the spirit. And I got this, uh, I'm in my own business, and I got this kind of nasty Facebook message uh, about a lady, uh, from a lady who said that part of her deck was a different color after I pressure washed it. Long story short, she pressure washed, she tried to do it, she messed it up, I tried to feather it out and make it look good. Didn't work out. So I, I didn't want to mess it up. But she gives me this nasty thing. My dad doesn't look the same. And uh, I'm not somebody that's going to give you a bad review, but I'm definitely never going to recommend you to anybody else. And I was like, oh, gosh. So I had that. And I was like, well, my reputation is really important. Started, just took it to the Lord, just kind of prayed in the spirit. And uh, went to her house. Wanted to see what was going on. Very just kind and did my best to fix it. She's, I guess she, I don't know, she could just, the, the tone of the email or the message and the lady standing in front of me were two totally different people. And I graciously said, ma'am, I'm going to, you know, do my best to get this right for you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to correct the issue. Thank you for not leaving a bad review. Really appreciate that. Well, while you're here, why don't you just give me a price to pressure wash the whole house to? How much would that cost? <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool. So I was going to quote, I was like, oh, how house? Uh, she was like, how about 200? I was like, I was thinking 150. Yes, okay, 200 sounds good. Thank you, amen, God bless you. <laughs> Got the whole house washed. She came out, whoa, I was like, you know, she's going to start complaining again. She was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea the house... We look this good. She's getting ready for the market. And uh, just a totally different purpose, uh, person than I had read in the message that she had sent me. So I go in. She's going get, to get to pay me. And I say, ma'am, you know, where are you moving to? Florida? You getting ready to leave Wilmington and go do something, you know, go down? She's like, no. And just opens up about her whole life history of medical issues Doctors upon doctor visits, pre, 
pre-stages of cancer, brittle bones, some other undiagnosed immune disease. And I realized then and there, my reputation, her bad review, has nothing to do with anything that I stepped into an opportunity to release the peace and the hope and the healing power of Jesus is in this woman's life. And I just said, ma'am, I didn't come back today just to pressure wash. There's something so much more important happening here. I said, ma'am, I believe in Jesus, and I would love for the opportunity just to pray a prayer of peace and healing over you right now. Boof! She came in. She must have been in church before. She came up like, like it was like the front door was her altar, and she did this. Please do. <laughs> just, it was so good. Prayed, prayed for, prayed with her, and um, tears in her eyes. She probably thanked me 10 times um, for the prayer, for coming back. And I really believe that there was something happening in me as I prayed in the Spirit before I approached somebody that was presumably hostile. So, uh, yeah. Her name, is, her name is Brenda. I'm going to continue to pray for her body to be completely healed and uh, for just the peace of God to, to reign and rule in this crazy season of her life. But uh, I totally chalked that up. You know, I didn't see any crazy whirlwind signs flashing cherubim or seraphim, anything like that. But there was this sense in me that had shifted just enough to be able to hear and see the kingdom of God and I think that's something that prayer and the Spirit will do for you. It advances you spiritually. It helps you see the mature, the immature eye would see a situation that's hostile and annoying. But I believe praying in the Spirit helps you advance into maturity where you can see a situation differently than you saw it before. So if you didn't hear last week's message from Paul, listen to it. It was really good, really practical. And I think, it, I think it's definitely something the Lord's speaking in this season. Um, this week, I get the, um, back to the word that the Lord has been speaking to me. And uh, the word, everywhere I look in scripture, the idea of idols and idolatry has been just everything I read. And I just, you ever get like that? It's like when you buy a car, every car you see is the car that you got. Well, that's, that's been for me, like everything I read, I'm reading through like, okay, how does this look like? What does idolatry look like? So the Lord gave me a story, reminded me of something that happened to me when I was uh, a younger dad with a little, my oldest son was still in diapers, Braxton, he's 15 now, but I want to start off this, this message because sometimes the message about idolatry can get real heavy and you know what? Thank you, Lord, if it is heavy, because I think sometimes the heaviness of God is his love to correct us, you know? So he gave me this example. He gave me this story. When Braxton was still in diapers, we were at Humor Cray Park, and it had, uh, it had just rained, and uh, he was up on top of one of the bigger slides. He was always super advanced when it came to, like, he was never one of the never on the two-year-old playground. He was always on like the five to 12-year-old playground at two years old. My mom is here. She's experienced several heart attacks as the result of him being on slides that he shouldn't be on. So he was on one of those slides, super tall. And I'm at the bottom as I, and, I, and I'm always there just, you know, because he's flying off so fast, I don't want him. To, and I see at the bottom of the slide is one of those puddles that 
you know what I mean? Like the puddle that doesn't go away. I don't know why. That one puddle on that one slide doesn't go away. And he's at the top. And I'm like, Brax, bro, don't come down. Don't come down. What? He's standing there looking at this epic slide ride. And he hears his, his dad say, don't come down. The dad sees the puddle. He doesn't see the puddle. All he sees is the slide, right? I wish I could tell you. Braxton listened. Yes, Father, whatever you say shall go, and I will do whatever it is that you ask me. I will come down off the top of this slide and go, no. Girls, would you do that if, you're, if you saw a slide? I'm sure you yeah, you're like, I'm, I'm riding. I'm getting on the slide. He comes down. Had about three seconds worth of fun until the puddle. How many of you know what happens when a diaper hits a puddle of water? Have you ever experienced the weight of a diaper that's saturated with, with water? I don't know. There are these like magic water magnets in there. That, and this, this analogy is going to, you know, come back to God. But at this point in the story, I'm not nearly as prepared as God is for my son's message. I forgot to pack another diaper. So my son, so we had like another at least 30 minutes of playtime that I had planned on. And he's walking out with this like massive bulge. And he's, it's just uncomfortable. And the whole 30 minutes that we had planned to play was ruined. What in the world does that have to do with idols? <laughs> See, there was a father in the faith named Moses, right? And uh, he was hearing the voice of God speaking. And one of the things he said, no, I think it's the second commandment, what? Do not create, we're going to go there, Exodus, go to, yeah, there we go. Let's go to Exodus 20. And we can kind of see another, a similar story that didn't happen on a playground, but happened on a mountain. But the reason I wanted to start with that story is because I realize my intention for saying, Braxton, don't come down the slide, it wasn't because I wanted to steal joy from him. I wanted to protect his joy. It's not because I wanted to rob him of the most epic slide experience that a two-year-old could ever have. I wanted to protect the rest of the playtime that we had on that playground. You tracking with me on that? And I believe the heart of God, when he gives us this command, is not, it's, I think it's just like the garden, you know? You can eat of any tree, but don't eat of this one. He's not trying to limit you. He's actually trying to protect your freedom. He loves you so much. Love is what compelled me to say, Braxton, don't come down. I see a slide. And though that, I mean, I see a puddle. And though that slide's fun, it's not going to end well. And what's going to happen? And it was love that was giving, that was causing me to warn my son. And I believe it's the same type of love that we can see here in Exodus. The Lord says, do not make for yourselves images, this is verse 4, of anything in heaven or 
on earth or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to any idol or worship it, because I am the Lord your God, and I tolerate and I tolerate no rivals. I bring punishment on those who hate me and on their descendants down to the third and fourth generation. And sometimes I wonder if that punishment isn't the soggy, wet diaper that caused us to have to leave the playground early. But the good news is God has a plan. Where I didn't have a diaper, God had a plan. It's interesting that uh, not long after that, so that was in Exodus 20, got a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty clear word. It's like God saying, don't come down the slide. Don't create an idol, right? He's, he's calling to his kids. That idol, if you do that, it's not going to, you're going to have a soggy diaper and you're going to have to deal with it, basically, in Josh's parable here. For, skip over to 12 chapters. This story has always blown my mind, and I've studied it quite a bit. 12 chapters later, verse 1, when the people saw that Moses had not come down the mountain but was staying there for a long time, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, we do not know what has happened to this man, Moses, who led us out of Egypt. So make us a God to lead us. Stop there. Point one, when we're in a season of delay or waiting, our heart is so susceptible to idolatry. Think about it. One of the craziest, blatant signs or uh, uh, acts of idolatry happened because of delay. Right? We don't know what happened to Moses. He's been up there for so long. How many of you all have been in a season? I think uh, Daniel shared last week God's delay is not God's denial, something like that, right? He said that last week. God's delay is not God's denial, but just like the people of, of Israel, that delay, that season of waiting, caused them to step into one of the most blatant, idolatrous moments of their history, right? So guard your heart. Be before the Lord. And you're in that time of waiting, Lord, I don't know where you are in this season. I know that my heart is prone to do what's comfortable or easy, and waiting is so hard sometimes, Lord. I know I'm guilty. I'm so guilty when I'm in that season of delay, when I'm in that season of waiting. When I, ca I call it the pause of God, last, a couple months ago I was speaking about the beauty of that pause in music and how sometimes an author will actually write into the music a stop so that the next note's even more epic. You know what I'm talking about? I use the example of uh, I Will Always Love You from Whitney Houston. Dolly Parton, I know, wrote it, but Whitney Houston made it famous. And there's that ending song, there's the ending note, and I forgot what she's saying, and then it goes, boom. And there's like no music for like a second. And then it goes, epic drum, boom. And I will, you know what I'm talking about? That pause made that note so incredible. 
But sometimes in our lives, that pause lasts a little longer than we should longer than it should. And there's a funny video out there where instead of Whitney Houston coming in, they cut out Whitney Houston and there's a goat going, have you seen that? (laughs) There's this epic note and you're waiting for Whitney. It's going to be so beautiful. And there's this goat with his, and I feel like sometimes we do that when we rush and we get outside of the will and the, the, and we get impatient. And instead of getting the beautiful note, we chase after our idol and we get the goat. That pause was meant to make the next note in your life so much more, be- so more, much more beautiful. And that note never would have meant what it meant to you had there not been a little pause before it. And that's just the goodness of God. He'll build in a delay in your life. But it's in that time, in that season of delay, where your heart is so susceptible to create an idol. Aaron said to them, take off the gold earrings which your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. Little nugget right there. I used to think that was just like Aaron's way of instantly caving in. Anybody ever read that before? Like, make us a, make us a, and Aaron's like, okay, bring me some gold. Bring me your, like, it seemed like he was caving. But as I studied it out, it, it, it seemed to me Aaron was actually trying to prevent this thing. He didn't have the the leadership guts to say, no, you wicked people. But think about it. These people didn't have much money. They didn't have much going on. And he's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe if I say, hey, bring me something really precious to you, like the gold that you're wearing, maybe they'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, we don't want, we don't want an idol that bad. We don't know what they do. They came in and it exposed their hearts even more, even more precious to them than their gold earrings and their gold jewelry was this need to have something that they could see and call God that they made with their own hands. You ever, you ever read it that way before? Yay, nay, okay. It's a thought other interesting fact about the earrings there are some scholars that say that the men of Israel had actually earrings in there because in the previous chapter where they heard the trumpet and they heard the thunder and they knew it was God they actually wanted to pierce their ears as a symbol as a reminder to them that they heard Yahweh and it scared them and they said Moses please don't let us hear them anymore it's interesting that they would take away this very reminder and burn it and melt it to make a calf. Side note, I, I say things like that to get you all to maybe dig and study and open up some dialogue, maybe on Facebook or home group. Check it out, dig into it. So all the people took off their gold earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took the earrings, melted them, poured the gold into a mold and made a gold bull calf. The people said, Israel, this is our God who led us out of Egypt. Does that blow anybody else's mind? Think about what they saw. I'm talking about seas splitting. A sea splitting epic good time. I'm talking food. Miraculously. Water. Miraculously. All the plagues. And it gets to this. That story is always scared me. 
how quickly I can wander away from the goodness of a God who's saying, don't go down the slide. There's a lot of time wasted in that wilderness, right? You guys know that took a long time for them to get from where they were leaving to where they were going. It shouldn't have taken them that much time at all. That's another thing an idolatry will do. <laughs> it will slow down your journey. It'll make you walk in circles. Another thing about idolatry, the expectation is never satisfied by the experience. Idols will create a perpetual dangling carrot in front of you that you never get, but you always chase. As Solomon would say, idols create within you an endless chasing of the wind. Why does God want us to be free of idols so much? Because if we're chasing carrots and we're chasing the wind, we're not chasing him. And he knows that he is what's best for us. Fellowship with him is what's best for us. It's interesting, also in Exodus 20, right after he says, don't create idols, you know what he does tell the people of God to create? Altars. It's interesting to me. It's like he actually revisits. He actually revisits the command briefly and says to the people, I believe it's also in Exodus 20, he rev- at the end of that chapter, sorry, I don't have it in my notes. I meant to put it in there. I don't have it. But he says, once again, he re- repeats, do not create idols. But then he says, create an altar. Create a place where you will sacrifice. And that sacrifice he calls a fellowship offering. That altar is a place where you will worship. So that just set my mind I think the Spirit took me on this journey of what is the difference between an idol and an altar. Got it. Here we go. Sorry. I did put it in my notes. Exodus 20, 22 through 24. The Lord commanded Moses to tell the Israelites, you have, you have seen how I, the Lord, have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make for yourselves gods of gold or silver or, or worship them in addition to me. Make an altar. Do not make an idol, make an altar. On it, sacrifice your sheep, your cattle as offerings to be completely burned up as a fellowship offering in every place that I set aside for you to worship me. I come to you and bless you. Idols, turn your heart away from God. Altars, turn your heart towards God. Idols cause you to forget the Lord your God. Altars cause you to remember. Idols distort your view. Idols distort your view. Altars will bring clarity. Idols bring about false worship. Altar is the place of true worship. Idols are the place where are the place where trust is misplaced. Altars are the place where God is my trust. Idols are the places where our sacrifice brings consequences. Altars are the place where our sacrifice brings fellowship. Idols 
is the place where worship leads to deception. The altar is the place where worship leads to presence and blessing. Let's take it. Let's go over to the book of First John. You guys love the book of First John. First John is packed with so many amazing verses about God is love, no fear in love, the one true God. Right? It's only five chapters, but this whole book is just packed with so much truth, revelation, and it's it's, it's very repetitive at times. But this is very interesting to me. The very end of 1 John, you have this amazing work. And it ends with a verse that makes you be like, what? That must have got, that must be from another letter because that has nothing to do. That does not seem. The very last verse of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 21, it says this. After all that amazing stuff, the very last line, little children, Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. I realized that verse, have you ever seen the movie Sixth Sense? Got Bruce Willis in it. I see dead people kind of thing. And you watch this whole movie under one, but then you realize, sorry if I'm spoiling this to you, it's for you. It's been out a very long time. If you haven't seen it, it's your fault. <laughs> At the very end of the movie, you find out what? Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. And you're like, what? And you have to go back and think about, and it shows these like flashbacks of all these times when you thought he was alive, but really he was dead. And it changes the whole idea, the whole essence of the movie. Because now you realize you were watching somebody that was dead in a scene in a life that you thought he was alive. This verse is kind of like that for me with the book of 1 John. It's like at the end of 1 John, you have all this beautiful theology and descriptions of God. And then it says, by the way, dear children, do not create idols. What? So then I, then I went back and read all of 1 John with the context of he is trying to masterfully, theologically, beautifully let his people, these people know who the true God is. And one of the most subtle forms of idolatry is when we begin to call something God that's really not God. When we begin to call something that we've created that's God, when we begin to call someone or a way different than the way. So I encourage you this week, I didn't have time to go. I wish I could sit here and read all five chapters, but read First John this week. And realize that through the whole book, the whole God is love. There is no fear in love. Jesus Christ is the one true God. What was happening is the people started to take in bits and pieces of other things. And they started getting a little, little, um, it's kind of like the, the buffet. You kind of pick what you want. And you put it on your plate when it came to God, but they're kind of, they're, they're losing the plot here. And the end of it, he says that. I thought that was really cool. Um, so your homework this week, go through and read 1 John. And then the last thing I want to share with you all is a really obscure, interesting story from uh, 2 Kings. And I'm going to find it. 
no, 18. This is the story of Hezekiah. 2 Kings 18, 3 and 4. This word right here has been on my heart for quite some time. Following the example of his ancestor David, King David, he did what was pleasing to the Lord. He destroyed the pagan places of worship, broke the stone pillars, and cut down the images of the goddess Asherah. He also broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made, which is called Nehushtan. Up to that time, the people of Israel had burned incense in its honor. Hold on. Does that strike anybody as a little weird to you? Is that like, why would they get rid of the bronze? Like, that thing's pretty cool. Like, if it wasn't for that, all those people would have died of snake bites. But God, it was like, but. So in this list, he destroys the pagan places of worship, takes down the pillars, cuts down the images of the goddess Asherah, and also broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. He actually destroyed something that was super powerful, climactic, and good from the season. You can read about it in Numbers. But what had happened? The people started to idolize the bronze serpent, the the thing that God used and they started burning incense and they had created an idol off of something that God used and it took time away from them worshiping who God is. They worshiped the symbol. They worshiped the sign. And Hezekiah saw this was so dangerous because sometimes we get stuck at the idol of something and forget to make it an altar. See, I believe had they... Did, done the bronze serpent, and they'd actually like created a, an altar that caused them to remember the Lord their God, that caused their heart to go towards the Lord, that caused them to offer a sacrifice. They weren't offering a sacrifice, they were burning incense to it. But there is a sacrifice that is being made when an altar is created. These people had created an idol out of this thing that God had done. And I'm only talking to myself now because there are so many times I get caught up. How many times have we heard how we, we just can't believe how people miss the move of God because it didn't look like the previous move of God? You ever heard that? Well, I mean, we, we see it. And how can the Pharisees be so blind? Here it is. Haven't they read Isaiah? I mean, how could they not see it? They got stuck with this idea that God was going to do this thing. And the people of Israel got stuck at the bronze serpent and it kept them from moving forward. And it was going to become a stumbling, it had to become a stumbling block for them. So I asked the Lord, if there's anything that you have done in my life that I have created an idol out of, smash it. Lord, is there anything in my life are there any idols of my heart, Lord? And, that, and that's the heart of this message. Are there any carrots that I'm chasing, perpetually chasing, 
Are there any things in my life where I'm expecting something to come from it, but the experience once I get it always lets me down? Over the past two weeks, three weeks maybe, I've had some pretty significant things break in my life since I started praying that prayer. Three weeks ago, my son was practicing his driving because he's 15, he's getting his permit and all that, and I let him drive around, and my nice Apple AirPods were up on the dash. Somehow, after he was driving around the country, I come back, and my AirPods had fallen off and slipped into a cup of Coke that was sitting in the cup holder, saturated, and I didn't find it for an hour. So those AirPods were ruined. Get back home from that trip, and I go into my garage, and I go to ride my bike. I have this really nice Electra uh, beach cruiser, and I go get on there, and I go hit handlebars, and the handlebars go whoosh. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to fix this. No big deal. I go to screw the thing in, and the whole bolt system that holds the handlebar in place has been completely stripped out because my kids have been riding it and destroyed that. So I have to go either get the handlebar replaced or f- figure out how to get that part anyway. And then, <laughs> and then the, the grand finale of this breaking stuff happens. Uh, my daughter, Micah May, was in my room and I had this mason jar full of coins and uh, I'd already moved it from the second shelf to the third shelf because she couldn't couldn't reach it on the third shelf so one morning at 6 37 o'clock she comes in and you know how I used to kind of sleep when the kids come in she had snuck in and brought one of her her uh, older brother's football helmets the toy football helmet and so she could reach the third shelf now <laughs> She was determined to go down that slide. <laughs> anyway, she gets out there. She can barely reach it. She's doing this, and this mason jar probably weighs 10 to 15 pounds. I mean, it's full of coins. She goes, and goosh, and thank God it didn't hurt her. It could have easily broken her foot, but it lands on my MacBook Pro laptop. <laughs> And it was closed. It had a dent in it. I'm like, okay, this is just a dent. No big deal. Whatever. I open it up. The entire screen has been shattered from the outside in. (laughs) Oh, my. What? It's like, you know, you know the expression, hold my beer? (laughs) Micah May, my daughter, was like, Braxton, you got dad's AirPods. Noah, you got dad's bike. (laughs) I'm about to take out his laptop. (laughs) All this happened. And uh, I was like, Lord, I know there's got to be some spiritual significance in this. I'm thinking about idols. All my stuff's breaking. Lord, I'm not that thick-headed. And I didn't realize this morning what happened What all three of those things I felt the Lord was saying representing my life. The AirPods, I use those all the time. And I'm on this track. And please hear my heart. Sometimes you know that you can read the Bible. Sometimes you read it just for knowledge. And it kind of puffs you up. You've been around people that read the Bible. And it's just, they're just gaining knowledge. And I had been doing that. My AirPods, when I'm at work sometimes, I had this weird idea going on in my head that if I can complete the Bible in one year this year, I will reach some new level of spiritual maturity. I'm, not, I'm just being honest. I'm being totally transparent with you. If I, and I'm just so busy. I just, you know what? So I pop that in and I can actually listen to the Bible being read to me. And I had this 
idol in a sense of knowledge. This weird idea that I was going to achieve something if I listened to those AirPods every day as long as the Bible verses were going through and I would get to something in God that I've always wanted. I felt the Lord was breaking that. My bike, man, that thing is just so nice. It's, it's, it, was van, it was vanity and comfort because that bike is cool, number one. It's not like, one, you know, not hurting anybody's feelings, but it was like a custom bike. It had a cool little surf rack attaching on it where I could actually put my surfboard on there. It was Hunter Green. That thing was sweet. It was, I was so vain. I upgraded the seats so it was extra comfortable. The Lord was saying that I had made an idol out of vanity and comfort. And actually told me that I had spent more money on my own comfort than I did his kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for the loving rebuke. And then the last one, my, my computer. That's where I send all of the invoices from my business. That's where I do everything all my leads, customers, everything on that computer. And it was my business and how I had created an idol out of my business. I, I would look to that. When things were going good and I'm, when I was busy, I would have this sense of comfort. I would have this sense of identity. I would have this sense of purpose. When the business was slow and the money wasn't coming in, I would feel worthless. I would feel like I wasn't doing things right. I would feel like I didn't have any identity. I, didn't, I feel like I didn't have any worth. I didn't, I didn't have any comfort because, oh my gosh, where's the next paycheck going to come from? The business in itself wasn't bad, but when I had, what I had turned the business into had become an idol. And I felt the Lord is saying, anything in your life, nothing is off the table. It can become an idol. If the thing that you were created to manage begins to manage you, it has become an idol. When the thing that God created you to manage begins to manage you, it has become an idol. When the thing that God created you to have influence in begins to have influence in you, it has become an idol. When you begin to seek first your business, your bike, or your AirPods and not the kingdom of God. It has become an idol because there's a really sweet promise in Matthew that says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things. Anytime that all these things come first, it has become an idol. You guys know that the nation of Judah was in a really precarious time at one point in their history the nation of Assyria was neighboring and they were threatening and they were fearful. You know, the book of Isaiah was written during that time, during that season, when they were freaking out about the Assyrian army. And God sends them Isaiah. You know what Isaiah comes to? Isaiah doesn't come with an amazing word about how to, not first anyway, he doesn't come with an amazing word on how to defeat the Assyrians. You know what Isaiah comes with? He comes with a rebuke because the Assyrian army that they thought was their biggest problem wasn't their biggest problem. The idolatry in their nation was the biggest problem. You think the Assyrian army is going to take you out? No. The idolatry of your heart is way, way worse and has already begun to do worse in your nation than that army could ever do. 
Let's go back to the story that I told you at the very beginning, and I'm going to shut this thing down. Our God is a loving Father. He's created us to reign. He has created us to rule. He has created for us a world and a life to experience joy, to experience peace, to experience freedom, to experience the goodness of who he is in every part of our lives. And there is this subtle enemy that is always tempting us with idols. Every man, every woman has an idol. Every one of us has something that when the delay of life comes, whenever our eyes are in the wrong place, has the potential to take us and make us chase a carrot and chase the wind. But our father is saying, son, daughter, I see the puddle. I see the puddle at the end of this slide. I see the puddle. And I love you so much. I'm giving you a warning. And my heart for you is to hear the goodness in this warning. I've created you to manage and rule and influence this world. And through subtle manipulation and subtle little twists and turns, those things have begun to rule and manage you. You were never meant to be ruled by money. You were never meant to be managed by money. You were meant to rule and you were meant to manage money. You were never meant to be ruled and managed by politics. You were meant to manage, rule, and influence in the realm of politics. That is your position as somebody in the kingdom. When we were in worship early, we were singing spontaneously. I started singing, money never laid its life down for me. Why do I worship it? (laughs) Money never laid its life down for me. Why would I give it what only belongs to you? He's really, really good, and I want you to hear the heart of a father in this message today. He's not insecure. He's not, oh, they love idols more than they love me. No, He's, they're created for fellowship with me, and anything that steals one second of their time, anything that steals one ounce of passion in their pursuit of me is hurting them. You ever heard the expression, kicking against the goads? You ever heard that expression before? Our chasing idols is a self-inflicted pain that hurts the, pain, the heart of God. That is his heart towards us. Let's just pray together. Lord, I just pray that this message, this, this, this analogy of, of, the, of the slide, I pray, Jesus, that anywhere in our lives that we have been chasing after some carrot or chasing the wind, Lord. Anything that is keeping us away from giving our heart and our all and everything that we are to you, Lord. We give you permission. We give you permission, Lord Jesus. Any false comfort, any false hope, any false peace, anything in our lives that have taken the place of you. Anything that we look to to provide us something that only you can give. Anywhere in our lives, Lord, I've created an idol when I should have created an altar. Just open my heart, open my eyes to see it, Lord. 
don't know if you want to be this brave, but if you want to pray, Lord, if you have to break some of my stuff, it's okay. As long as you get my heart. <laughs> Lord, if you want to break some of my stuff, it's okay. There's nothing that I hold on to more precious to me than you. Do whatever you have to do so that the cry of my heart, Lord, is I want only you. Thank you, Lord, for protecting my freedom. Thank you for protecting my heart. Thank you for the love that spoke this warning to us. Amen. Well, that is all I have. Man, be blessed this week. And, uh, you know, pray in the spirit. Ask the Lord to reveal stuff to you that he uh, just wants you to be free of. Much love. We'll see you next week.